If you're watching what's happening in the culture right now, it can be easy to become discouraged and wonder why God allows so much evil in the world. What is the answer? What is the answer for the Christian? Is the answer politics? Is the answer to uh, to stand on street corners with signs? What is the answer? Well, the Bible lays it out. And today we're going to talk about it. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. thank you guys for tuning in. As you know, I am currently in Williamstown, Kentucky. Uh, I'm there to speak for the Answers for Women conference at the Ark Encounter for my friends at Answers in Genesis. That is a sold out event, and I am looking forward to meeting a bunch of you there this weekend. It's an opportunity for us to come together to remind ourselves what it means to stand in the truth and to defend it. And so I'm excited to be speaking there this weekend. If you've never been to the Ark Encounter, I want to encourage you to go. I'll be back there again for the homeschool adventure, and that is happening in May. I'll be there with several of my kids, and uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Don't give your money to Woke Broken Disney. Come on out to the Ark Encounter. You guys will not regret it. It's a fantastic opportunity. They have wonderful uh, programs for kids. They do great things for parents. I'm going to be hosting a mom's night out. It's a hoot and hollering good time, and you guys are going to want to come out. Uh, Thank you guys for bearing with me as I continue to struggle with my voice. A lot of this has to do with the allergies and uh, the pollen in the air here in the Northwest. All the trees are in bloom. And so you're not going to hear me complain because I absolutely love it. All the beautiful cherry blossom trees that are blooming by my house and the trees that are blooming in the Homeschool Resource Center parking lot. We are just thrilled. All right. Speaking of, I'm going to jump into the topic of evil and suffering in just a minute. But I want to invite you to join me as part of what's happening here with the nonprofit organization, Firmly Planted Family. So Firmly Planted Family has been around for nearly 20 years, uh, give or take. It might even be longer than that now. And we have been focused for all of that time on equipping families, uh, equipping families to speak the truth, equipping families with homeschool resources, uh, helping marriages through marriage retreats and counseling and all kinds of things, really focused on the whole family. As you guys know, we are currently in a 20,000 square foot facility right in the heart of Vancouver, Washington, and we have absolutely 100% outgrown it. And so we've been asking the Lord now for about a year and a half to direct us to a new place. Part of uh, the, the genesis, really, if you will, of what God's been doing with us started when we began the Homeschool Resource Center. It's been nearly seven years since we first opened our doors here. And we really wanted to be an educational ARC, which is so funny because I'm at the homeschool or I'm at the ARC encounter right now. And we really wanted to provide an educational ARC for families when they realize, oh, my word, the ship that we're on is sinking. What can we do? Firmly Planted Family has started something that is actually working and it is working for families, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of families actually here in the Pacific Northwest. The goal is to start these centers all over the country. And as you guys can imagine, it's a very large project that we are embarking on. And so uh, one of the very first things that we're doing now is moving uh, to a new facility. And we would love for you guys to partner with us and help us make this dream a reality by partnering with us financially. And you can do that by going to fpfgrow.com. You can look us up on the internet. I mean, go to Firmly Planted Family in Vancouver, Washington, and Google what my husband and I have been doing with the vast majority of our lives for the last uh, 20 years working with families. But we're really excited to see that on the 15th of April, 
we are going to be hosting a fundraiser. And that fundraiser, my friend Mike Ferris, who is the, the, the founder of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association and the outgoing general counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom and also uh, someone who I, I deeply respect and admire, he is coming all the way from Virginia to keynote that event. So that's being held at 6 p.m. on April 15th. And if you're in the area, even if you're not, uh, fly in and join us. If you want to see what God is doing, we're going to be hosting the dinner right here at the existing uh, Homeschool Resource Center. And then when the dinner is over, we're going to be taking everybody over to see the new facility and see what God is doing. So uh, that building and the adjacent property to it is roughly a $16.4 million purchase. And we have secured almost 14 of that now. And so we're looking to raise an additional $2.4 million, and we're asking God's people to help us. We know that God can do it. Listen, the public schools operate in these million, multi-million dollar facilities because they take money from taxpayers. And so it's very hard for organizations like ours to, uh, to get uh, buildings, to get facilities. This is part of the reason why my husband and I are so passionate about helping you find facilities wherever you are so that you can start these centers in your area, uh, your part of the country. And so we really want to help. In order to do that, we need to get to this next part of the vision, which is to move our existing uh, ministry into a brand new facility, which will give us room to expand. And so you are invited to come and join us. Uh, You can purchase a ticket for that event, or you can purchase a table. And we're also looking for corporate sponsors. And you can find out more, again, by going to FPF Growth. That's Firmly Planted Family Grow. Uh, or you can call us here at the Resource Center at 687-8411. Again, that's 360-687-8411. And somebody at the front desk will be happy to help you. Uh, so we, I got a question from a listener, and I'm going to see if I can pull it up here because I want to read it to you. Uh, Dear Heidi, in light of the evil that we seem to be inundated by, how do we talk to our kids about wickedness? Does the Bible address it? This is an anonymous listener in Utah. And so I want to talk about that for just a few minutes today, because obviously the Bible absolutely addresses the the problem of evil, but more importantly, it offers solutions to it. Uh, there are several websites that I often refer to here. Uh, one of them is gotquestions.org. I'm going to quote from a, some of the things that they have online today. Also, some really great articles at Answers in Genesis. Um, I'm going to encourage you to be really looking for the fingerprints of the Lord in the days to come. I continue to believe that this nation is sick in its soul. We are experiencing a soul sickness such as I have never seen before in my lifetime. Now, that's not to say that the enemy hasn't been hard at work in other uh, generations and certainly other centuries around the world, but we're seeing a different kind of brazenness. Uh, attack that's being levied against uh, children, especially in the culture right now. And it's important for us to talk about the 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 question of evil, because when we look at the Bible's uh, description of it and the Bible's honest questioning and assessment of it, God's response to evil and the scriptural solution to it, really, you can address the problem using nothing other than the Word of God. And so that's what I'm really going to do today. According to the Bible, The experience of evil is something that God understands and he acknowledges it and his willingness to give us freedom to make our own choices, right? Adam and Eve were free to choose. We are free to choose. It is allowed for the possibility of evil. 
And moral evil leads to physical evil. In other words, the evil that starts in our hearts often results in actions that we take physically. We certainly saw this happen in Nashville a few days ago. You guys heard me say yesterday, and I I continue to believe this. uh, I think that the transgender movement is a demonic movement. I think we're seeing actual, literal uh, possession of human beings by by demonic spirits. Uh, This is something that God has given the demons uh, reign to do, to be able to do. And it certainly is is happening right now. And so uh, I want to talk about this for for just a few minutes because uh, the Bible openly addresses this topic. The entire book of Job is a discussion of the reasons why mankind experiences suffering, uh, even when we don't seem to deserve it. You guys will remember that Job's uh, Job was a good man, and Satan was like, "Hey, dude, you know, uh, talking to God," which I find so so fa- another thing is fascinating because God seems to be, you know. Uh, having this uh, sort of a staff meeting, if you will. <laughs> and he looks at Satan and is like, have you noticed my my servant Job? He's an upright man. And Satan asks for permission basically to sift Job, to test him. And God gives him permission to do that. And a lot of us are like, well, why would God do that? Well, guess what, you guys, we're not God. We don't understand. We don't actually, uh, We're. I think there's gonna be things that we don't understand until we get to heaven and can ask God ourselves. But ourselves rather, but God, uh, addresses this problem of evil. And scripture offers a lot of passages that clearly reflect what we're, ha- what we're going through right now as a nation with regard to the problem of evil. Let's look at Habakkuk uh, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. How long, Lord, must I call for your help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. You guys ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like nothing is going right? Like the justice, we don't see justice in our courts. We don't see justice for the unborn. Uh, I saw a, a homosexual couple on social media the other day bragging about how they had uh, used a, an egg donor to uh, inseminate, artificially inseminate dozens of eggs. And they were gleefully talking about how they're going to figure out which one was a boy and save the boys and kill the girls. Uh, we are living in Babylon. We are living in Sodom and Gomorrah right now. And it makes me wonder how long God will let it go on. But as you can hear from Habakkuk, they had the same similar problems back then. And he's saying, listen, destruction and violence are before me. There's strife everywhere. Where are you? That's what he's asking. In Ecclesiastes chapter four, uh, we read again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of the oppressors and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who had never been born, who has never seen all the evil that is done under the sun. In Psalm 101, verse 1, David asked, Lord, why do you stand so far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In Psalm 22, verses 1 to 2, he said, My God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far off from saving me? Why are you so far from my cries of anguish? I cry out by day, but you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. The passage that we, and there are dozens more, but these passages show a deep uh, personal awareness 
of the reality of evil in this world. Evil entered the world through sin in the Garden of Eden. And we're going to be talking about this uh, at my uh, at my women's ministry for the entire month of April. I have written a study called Supernatural, Having a Creator Changes Everything. I'm going to be taking you guys back to the beginning uh, in Genesis chapter 1 to 11. And we're going to talk about the origins of sin. Uh, so many of the questions that we are facing in the world today are actually answered by God's word in the book of Genesis. And I want you to join me. Uh, we are rebranding, by the way, uh, MomStrong International into a study that is open to all women of all ages. And that is called Faith That Speaks. It's really uh, come from the cry of my heart. You know, uh, the Psalm 107 verse four says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Our Our faith should be a faith that speaks. And so if you're a woman and you're interested in studying the word of God with me, uh, right now, you can go to uh, faiththatspeaks.com and I'll redirect you to that Bible study uh, ministry that I have. It's a it's a membership-based ministry. We release studies every month there. And I want to encourage you to join me in the study of God's word. It is a powerful thing to know God's word and to be able to rest in it. But we have been uh, addressing over there recently, more often than not, just the the topic of evil, the suffering of human beings. And scripture does not present evil as this sort of remote uh, idea that we can't wrap our minds around. We know how evil entered the world. And human beings uh, have have been recorded suffering painfully uh, for generations since the existence of evil entered the world through the Garden of Eden. And so uh, scripture is where we want to go to look at the problem of evil. And the question comes on, did the original world that God created contain evil? But the Bible's clear. God did not create a world with evil in it, uh, like the world that we live in right now. Genesis chapter 1, verses 31 through Genesis 2, verse 1 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day, six literal days of creation. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, all the host of them. However, scripture also says that all things were created by God in Colossians 1 verse 16, for by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. In Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 6, you alone, Lord, are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them. And the host of heaven worships you. And although we may want to blame everything on the devil, even Satan was a part of the original very good world and blameless beginning that God created. Let's let's look at Ezekiel 28, verse 15. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until, speaking of the devil, unrighteousness was found in you. This verse describes Satan before he sinned. And you can begin to see the sin of pride that eventually results in Satan wanting to be like God. And so he rebelled against God. So how do you reconcile this seeming contradiction of this this thing, the sin coming into existence apart from God who, who created all things? Did God change his mind and add something to his creation later on? No, the, no, he didn't do that. He, he clarifies that all things were created in six literal days. Exodus 20, 11, for in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth and all that is in them and he rested on the seventh day. So when did evil come about? So you have to discuss when these bad things happen. The Bible says it happened in the Garden of Eden. God gave Adam everything for his enjoyment, along with only one 
negative command. God gave them a clear warning as to the consequences if they chose to disobey him. In Genesis 2.16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely, what? Die. That's exactly what God said. And Adam and Eve were fully mature adults at this point, right? They'd been given very clear instructions by Father God of the consequences of their actions. They'd been told exactly what God wanted them to do. And Genesis 3 records the day that Adam and Eve willfully rejected God's generosity and authority, and they rebelled against him. And being holy and righteous, God punished them just as he said he would. But from that point on, the world was never again called very good. And so death and suffering came into the world as a consequence of the sin of Adam and Eve. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sinned. And so here's Adam and Eve suffering the consequences of their willful disobedience and their willful rebellion against God. And now it's fallen into the category of punishments because God punishes sin. But the Bible makes it really clear that evil is something that God neither intended nor created. And as I talked about yesterday, Satan, who rebelled against God and his demons, which are fallen angels also, have uh, have the intent always to go against God's will and always against God's heart for human beings. So we're free, you guys. We're free to choose something other than God's will. We can choose evil. The Bible points out that there are consequences for denying this personal uh, consequences, physical consequences, spiritual consequences. Uh, but God, what God made was good. In Genesis 2, 16 and 17, the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. And then in chapter 3, starting in verse 17, God pronounces his judgment to Adam because you listened to your wife. Now I'm going to be covering this uh, for the month of April, you guys. It's, it's a fantastic study. I think it's going to really encourage you. Hop on over there. A faiththatspeaks.com or MomStrong International right now, they'll both take you to the same place. To Adam, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree of which I commanded, you must not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you'll eat food from it all the days of your life. You will produce thorns. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants by the field. By the sweat of your brow, you eat food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you shall return. In Proverbs 14, 34, it says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. And I've been thinking quite a bit lately, as you guys can imagine, you know, uh, with regard to my run for Congress, and I spent, you know, two years uh, pouring into that that run and meeting wonderful people, and, you know, and some not wonderful people, <laughs> all over uh, Congressional District 3. And I've had, you know, some time to reflect, you know, Lord, why did you, why did you ask me to do that? And as the Lord has been just gently leading me and, and, and revealing himself to me and broadening my heart for the people that God made, God loves the people of the United States. He loves the people of Southwest Washington. He loves the people of the world. John three sixteen. for God so loved the people of the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves the people of this world. But politics is not the answer. 
And I'm not suggesting that we get out of politics. Far from it. I think we continue just to maintain a voice. I think our faith should be a faith that speaks. I think we need to speak into every sphere of influence into politics. I think we need to speak into education, into medicine, into entertainment. Uh, our voices should speak. Our faith should speak. I'm, I'm always asking audiences, what would if your faith found its voice, what would it say? But this nation will not be saved by a political move. It will only be saved by a move of God. By an act of repentance, open repentance, first by the children of God, to say, Lord, we are sorry. We have walked away from you. We have allowed our senses to be dulled to sin. This is obvious everywhere. It's obvious in the church. It's obvious by what we allow in our homes, by what we listen to on on the radio, and what we allow our eyes to see, to take in. through uh, videos and movies that we see. Uh, I'm watching now the open degradation of children performing sexually in front of adults. We are living in Sodom and Gomorrah, and God help us. We need revival in this nation, and revival won't come apart from repentance. Politics is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. I saw in my run for Congress so much of the Republican Party, and I believe very strongly, I still do, in the Republican platform. The platform is what we stood for, is what we stand on as Republicans, but the people in the Republican Party are just as broken as the people in the Democrat Party. If all we care about is power and all we want is to rectify things from a human standpoint, we will not find the healing and hope that we need. That will not be found apart from Christ. And we need to be having conversations. Scripture tells us that God did not create the evil that we find ourselves living in. But yet God has shown us that one day he will eventually defeat evil forever. God limits the impact of evil. He warns us of the dangers of evil. He acts to stop the spread of evil. But we are living in very dangerous times spiritually right now. And as we see the rise of the lie of transgenderism, I, I can't help but think, and I told you guys this yesterday, it takes me back to Romans 1, that God has allowed our hearts to be darkened by the foolishness that we have engaged in as a people. We need the Lord. We need the Lord now more than ever. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20, we find one of Scripture's most direct communications regarding the choices that we make and God's will for us as his people. This is what it says. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And as Moses entered the end of his ministry, he counseled the people of God to choose life. He outlined for them how to do it. He said, love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice. Hold fast to him. He said, the Lord is your life in Deuteronomy 30, verse 20. Moses reviews the terms of the covenant. He explains to the people of Israel that walking in a covenant relationship with God means making a radical decision to commit themselves wholly to the Lord and in his ways. To choose the Lord is to choose life. And God wants us to choose life. The Bible acknowledges evil. It frames evil. It shows how God opposes it. But more importantly, Scripture explains how the existence of the Christian God defeats the problem of evil. 
Look at Matthew 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and then he must be killed on the third day and raised again to life. So as we enter into uh, Easter, we're coming up on uh, Palm Sunday and then Easter weekend. This is an amazing opportunity for us in the midst of all the suffering that's happening in the United States right now and around the world to remember that God put in plan uh, in place a plan. He put in place a motion that we would be able to be rescued from the sin that we have uh, that we have been living in. And he sent his son, Jesus, Mark 10, 45, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus answered in John 14, verse six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the father, but by me. And in John 19, finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull which in Aramaic is called Golgotha, and there they crucified him. And with two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Verse 30, and Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Men and women, God could have made us unable to choose, but he gave us free will, and we chose death. We chose our own way, and how did God respond? He responded by extending forgiveness to us. And that is the Christian answer to the problem of evil. The Christian answer is to forgive. The Christian answer is to say, I am no better than you are, but by the grace of God, there goes I. I I am a sinner saved by grace. John 3, 16 through verse 21, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but the people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear of their deeds being exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be plainly seen that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You see, God took the consequences of our sin so that every person can have access to forgiveness and salvation. And as a result, all of our sin, all evil, all suffering will someday be ended. This is the promise that we have in Scripture. In Psalm 103 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever, for he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our sin. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those of us who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Luke 5.20, When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Christian answer to the problem of evil is forgiveness. To recognize first that our sins need to be forgiven before the Lord, and then to have our faith become a faith that speaks to speak of the hope and and power and resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And that is where we're going to find hope. It's not going to be found in politics. The Bible says some might trust in horses and some might trust in chariots. 
but we don't. We trust in the name of the Lord. That's all I've got time for today. And besides that, I'm losing my voice. You guys can find me this weekend at the Ark Encounter at Answers in Genesis in Kentucky. And I will see you right back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith 